A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is a Force Center podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsok for another edition, the 116th edition of Star Wars Rank. This is going to be, I think, a pretty special one, maybe even an emotional one. And as always, uh, fun and enlightening. So to do that show, to make this list, to rank Star Wars today is Joseph Scrimshaw. Hello. I am excited to have uh, some fun emotions. It is. 
Yeah, it, uh, I, you know, I got to be honest with you. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how it can go. I could see some tears happening today, at least on my end. I'm an emotional, emotional cat sometimes when it comes to Star Wars. Yeah, absolutely. And when you pitch this, uh, I, I at first really uh, thought of it intellectually. Mm-hmm. And then as I went over the list, I was like, oh, no, this is not going to be an intellectual discussion. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is going to be an emotional discussion. It will indeed. And and a little, little column A, little column, column B, and C, D, and E. So what we're ranking today is, well, I always love kind of finding the right title in the moment. Uh, our favorite Star Wars deaths, the best Star Wars death, Star Wars deaths that matter. I don't know. We're talking about death today in Star Wars, Joseph. And uh, there is, well, a lot of choices of death in them, thar wars. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that you should title this one best period deaths period ever period. <laughs> best deaths ever. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's a, it's a hard one to talk about because death is such a big part of Star Wars. And I love that we're just kind of going at it of like, well, what does that mean? Which deaths affected us? How? And it's not like coolest or goriest or most emotional. You're just saying mm. the the deaths that affected us, right? Yeah, and this actually, we were doing the main show last week, which is the characters we want to return, and, and some of the, those characters uh, were dead, and we want either them to return or maybe not to return. Maybe the, their characters show up a younger version of themselves, another another version of the story. And I was thinking, oh, man, I don't know if we've ever really talked about the deaths in Star Wars. And we talked about them on other shows, but in terms of ranking them, we always try to approach the rank with a, with a fun tongue in cheek. It's not fact, it's our opinion, but hey, that word rank is a powerful word in podcasting. So let's get to it. And and uh, you took to that idea and I took to the idea and, and to pull back the curtain and, and show us making this tasty omelet here is we don't, tell each other, hey, here's what the list will be about other than the title. And so our lists are, are, are a little bit based on, you know, like you said, a little intellectual flavor, but definitely it, it starts to to veer towards the emotional. These are deaths that affect the story. Um, and because of that, we could easily, we always like to maybe put things in the Hall of Fame here, as we say in Star Wars Ranked. We're not necessarily doing that today, but we're going to along the way acknowledge some of the big deaths that you can't turn away from, that you can't ignore because they are so powerful and they're, and they're such great characters. Some are on the list, some are off the list. Uh, but at the end of the day, Joseph, to, to let the audience in on this one, we just really did go where our Star Wars love and hearts took us. Yeah, no, I really just like uh, closed my eyes and, and listened uh, to my inner truth. Uh, listen to the the force speak uh, through me, and I think what I ended up coming up with is is deaths that to me represent the different ways that Star Wars can handle death or mm. you know tell stories through the idea of death. And I think that's what, where I ended up going of like, yeah. oh, but I have to include one like that, or I have to include one like that, you know? Yeah, and I always you know we always. Uh, eh, I always think of the uh, my, my one of my favorite movies is uh, and books is High Fidelity and they they're always ranking top five bands and music and sometimes there's a ooh you're being creative you're you're sneaking in something new with an old list da, 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 da. and I don't ever want to be too cute on Star Wars ranked and, and so I was like let me stick to let me not get obscure deaths but then I I really started thinking about it. there's some things I'm going to talk about here today that are quote unquote obscure in the bigger Star Wars story but they got me and that just I think speaks to uh, uh, Star Wars is just this big giant saga and myth that really once it is in your veins it it affects you no matter how big or small the story is to you 
Yeah, exactly. It's all one big story when we're looking at it this way. Let's dive on in uh, the best Star Wars deaths, our favorite Star Wars deaths, the deaths that move us. This episode has many titles because there's a lot to get to. Uh, Joseph, we're going to work our way five to one, beginning with your number five. My number five death in Star Wars. Still a weird sentence to say, but there you go. Uh, My number five death in Star Wars is one to me that represents the horror of death, uh, the brutality of it, and uh, a moment where death is kind of uh, of real in Star Wars, kind of one foot in in strange fantasy land. Uh, And in some ways, the death that started it all and that is the death of uh, Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru. Mm. Um, my mind went to that partially because of its its sheer importance to the story of the mm-hmm. very first Star Wars film, uh, but also that image and how much that image, uh, it does get joked about. You know, it's, mm-hmm. there's that meme that goes around of the uh, Owen and Beru action figures. It's just the, that charred skeleton, you know? Yeah. Oh, um, I, I love getting shared that every two years like it's new. <laughs> it happens, right? Have you seen this? And, and every once in a while when somebody sends that, uh, have you seen this? You haven't seen it, and it's nice. But yeah, yeah. the charred corpses of Owen Beru, mm. I have seen that uh, in, in action figure form, <laughs> as well as a celluloid in digital form. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think for me, what's some of the powerful things about it is um, just in terms of, of storytelling, mm-hmm. starting there, it is the motivation right it is the sort of reality that uh the the big world is going to come for luke eventually Mm. that luke has this power he's eventually going to have to go out into the galaxy and choose how to use it and you can't just hide on a form you can't be not involved eventually uh you know destiny life the larger world is going to come for you and this is this just brutal, horrific version of being pushed out into the world, right? Mm-hmm. Where he thinks like, ah, well, I, I, I can't. I can, you know, take you as far as Anchorhead. I can't go with you on some adventure because I'm tied to this place. And then it's just shocking, horrific. The tie is severed. And this young character has to start their journey. Uh, so there's that storytelling power of both, both the, it's the, in some ways the launching point for, for Luke's journey, mm-hmm. he shifts from having this, uh, family, this, these adoptive parents to wanting to fulfill, uh, this idea of who his father was. You know, he immediately says, I want to become yeah. a Jedi like my father. There's, there's no family here for me now. There's nothing here for me now. My old life burned up with my, you know, parents with my aunt and uncle. Uh, and now I'll go out into the galaxy and I will, fulfill this destiny of becoming like this father that I never knew. Um, So it's definitely the launching point of his, you know, actual journey, his emotional journey in lots of ways. And then I think just as an image, we generally talk about uh, Star Wars, uh, a new hope is it's this just fun, you know, grab you, bring you to the edge of the seat and zip you through it. It's an adventure. It's a, simple fun story about light and dark and that those things are all true uh, but there are those moments of like yep we don't we don't really deal with the full emotional fallout of it but you know that whole entire planet is blown up (laughs) uh luke's aunt and uncle do die in what looks like a a horrific painful way uh 
it's this one moment where even going back to the first film of, yes, it is just a rip-roaring, whiz-bang adventure, uh, but it is also something that deals with real things, mm-hmm. you know? It is for kids, and it isn't. Mm-hmm. And I went through that as a young person who was really ready uh, and anxious to get out into the world and, and you know, discover uh, my power, <laughs> like Luke Skywalker. Uh, you know, I spent a long time really relating to Luke, staring at those twin sons. Mm-hmm. And I almost always had to say to myself in my own head, I, I don't want my parents burned out, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't want that to be the inciting incident. There's a real power that that, it, that those burning skeletons mm. is what frees Luke to have adventure. It makes Star Wars from the very beginning. Yes, it's for kids, but it's a story that also wants to open the possibility that kids can wrestle with darkness and trauma mm-hmm. as well as adventure. Wow, that's uh, a good old Force Center well said on just the entire picture <laughs> of why it works and, and why it's important and why. Yeah, I, look, I don't want to make it sound like I don't have uh, a little chuckle at some of those Star Wars memes and, and this one included about the the, the burnt uh skeletons being action figures uh, you know the lego set that's just Ald- alderaan destroyed with bricks uh, you know or the desk it's funny stuff i can laugh at it i i I'll always laugh at star wars but one of the reasons they don't um you touch upon it too of just the image of it as a as a young kid this this affected me and i always go back to that this, this moment it's it's brutal they're burned skeletal corpses uh we've seen the stormtroopers and invader by this point in the story, if you're seven or eight, nine, and you're watching this, this is, this can be potentially traumatic. And I always was moved by that in that sense. It was, it was a little bit of a horror show show for me of that's just miserable because, because, you know, you said it too, like I got my parents and I don't want them laser bolted to a burning death. And I'm like, what? And it, it stayed with me, especially because you saw, you know, brew making the blue milk and it's, uh, you know, it wasn't the happiest family dinner, but it was a family dinner. And I always just felt sad for brew and Owen that it just, it affected me in that way that those poor people were, were, were trampled underfoot by this whole story, which it, but inspirational as it moves Luke forward too. And I, I'm with you on staring at the twin sons and just now the adventure has begun, whether it's the right foot or wrong foot for Luke, you said he's chasing after his, the idea of being this great warrior, like his father, which we're, you know, he's going to learn a little bit more about that later, but I I've never moved too far from that for this death that, that it, it's pretty traumatic. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's also just, it's visually fascinating just that Star Wars, the film, so much of what gets set and established in that film is this, it's this entire world and some of it is just never changes. It's the cornerstone. Uh, But then there's also stuff that's like, yeah, no, they're making this film on a budget and fast. And like the image of that death is not like this one didn't take on like the, the lights uh, on the Death Star. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's what Imperial and many Republic lights are like forever you know (laughs) this is how lightsabers work forever uh those are you know jedi and farmer robes forever Mm. all sorts of things get established and it doesn't become like oh yeah when characters die in star wars they're always smoking (laughs) skeletons it's this weird image that kind of stands by itself yeah you know Mm -hmm. totally understand what you mean that's that's totally true it is the it is pretty graphic (laughs) versus some of the uh nice clean deaths we get later on 
Yes, yes. Uh, and uh, with that, I will relinquish. Uh, no. This one was a, a powerful one to start with. No, great start to the list here. From there, we'll go to my number five. And this one is a little bit more recent. It is The Death of a True Hero, Paige Tico in The Last Jedi. Mm. Uh, a lot has been uh, said about this uh, death here on this channel. Uh, I've uh, It's one that I've talked about before. Uh, it, it is its own little short film in a way. Uh, and I'm talking about just the, the, the ballad of Paige Tico, not just the opening sequence of that movie. It has uh, shot so well, uh, just the pacing, the music, the, the heroic actions, um, the idea of, of Paige being knocked down and having to kind of get back up and, and climb up to, to face her destiny, climb up to make this, uh, what eventually is this big sacrifice. There's a lot of inspiration to be taken from that, but just, the way it was shot, the slow motion, her opening her eyes, sound um, being, uh, uh, you know, just this vacuum of sound at one point and that X-wing flying underneath it. It's such a, it's just so just compelling in its own way. Like I said, a little short film. And then, and then her sacrifice, we know what it means for Rose Tico, but what it means for this story uh, that Ryan Johnson has this great, just classic Star Wars opening, a big battle. You got Tally, Lentra, you got Poe being a hero. And and the lesson of that is even though this was maybe a necessary battle from a certain point of view, maybe not Poe going all the way, but even then he would argue, hey, we need to get rid of this, this uh, super star destroyer here, the, um, the big one there, the, the dreadnought. Um, you, you don't just see it from a distance. You don't just see exploding bombers and, uh, you know, and, and then Poe comes back and, and, is taught this lesson from Leia. The face of that loss is Paige Tico. The face of that sacrifice is Paige Tico. You literally are right in her eyes. You're watching her die. You're watching her give her life for this greater cause. And then it matters greatly to the idea of what a hero is, the rest of the story, what a hero is, what Poe, uh, you know, his failure in, in leadership, uh, Finn, uh, what he has to learn directly from Rose Tico, who, oh, me and my sister heard about the Finn and you're the mm. great hero. And really, uh, you know, he grows into that and he's on this journey to become that. And I do believe Finn uh, is heroic along the way, but becomes a hero later. Um part of my own interpretation of that, but to, to have Paige represent that, uh, um, to, to just this, like, I keep saying the short little film, but it's just the moment it switches and the moment it focuses on her and, and Poe's like, Hey Paige. And you, you flip to her and the gunner, uh, the, the, the bubble. And she looks up and she sees what she has to do. And she's a little overwhelmed. She's afraid. And that's all of us having to get back up and climb up and, and face it. And I hope we all don't explode as we go into a dreadnought. Um, but it was a valuable lesson that set the tone for the film. Cool, pew, 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 big excitement. But there's a lesson in that. And this is the face of that lesson. So that's why I'll always remember the death of Paige Tico. Uh, very, very well said. Uh, there's, there's so much to love in this. And I agree with you. I love it when you describe it as a short film. Um, and there's so many beats where it feels impossible, right? And like yeah. she could give up. Like, I think that's what's so well constructed about it of the, the kicking the, mm -hmm. the ladder to try to get it to drop the, you know, the, the trick shot where it looks like she missed it. You know, mm -hmm. it's just really well done to really heighten that feeling of you, you could give up, right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, if, if this was uh, me trying to fix my printer, I would give up. Right. But like, that's kind of a joke, but I, I mean that in that it, it reminds me of those moments in life where like, uh, there's been higher, higher stakes and I can't give up yeah. in a situation where I normally would, you know? Yeah. Um, 
I yeah. think a couple things that that it it really does well for me are I love that Poe shouts it's all down to you. Yeah. There's so much storytelling in Star Wars that values uh, connection and being together and the need for for a group to work together in order to accomplish goals. But Star Wars also celebrates the individual that we have responsibility and that we need to be our best, you know, and Poe kind of saying, we're all in this together, but actually now it's only down to you, this one person whose job it wasn't even on the bomber to initially drop the bombs, right? Yeah. It's all down to you is kind of a, a theme statement that our individual choices matter, that, yep. which is going to connect her directly to, to Finn. And then one of the other things that Last Jedi really wrestles with, you know, I really think of Last Jedi is not subverting Star Wars just to do it. It, it, it is question. It is taking all the big ideas of Star Wars and questioning them in order to validate them. That's yep. my opinion of The Last Jedi. And I think one of the big things, particularly connected to Finn, is does it matter why we fight or is it just, you know, team red and team blue blowing each other up again and again? Yeah. And the fact that we go through this, this short film, as you say so well, and the final moment is Paige knowing she made a sacrifice and touching that necklace, which symbolizes not only her connection with her sister, but the reason that these two mm-hmm. just normal people, you know, yeah. of Paige and Rose, joined the fight because of what was happening to their planet under the cruelty of the first order. And it's just this little visual thing that, you know, is, feels meaningful. It feels human. The the very first time you're watching the film, but then when you watch it again and really absorb the story, that touching of the necklace is about uh, this person knowing that she chose to made the choice to fight for a reason. And it matters. Mm. Yeah, great pull connecting to just the the, the planet uh, that they're from and the reason they're in the fight. That's a great, uh, great little detail in it here, and 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 you know comes from from knowing the whole story there, and and it, it all adds up. And yeah, I agree with you on 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 subverting to validate is is a bumper sticker way of kind of summarizing it all. Um, but that's that's a lot of what this movie is, and a lot of the big themes of just like let's really. Dig into all the things that we grew up with as Star Wars fans, or are growing up. If you're discover whenever whenever you discover Star Wars, uh, and now you have this, and we didn't necessarily have. And I think Return of the Jedi does a great job of uh, you know why we fight and how we fight and a weapon thrown down to win the day. All these kind of big concepts are there, which I think it's the connection there too. But yeah, that that's why again to, to summarize, it's just like this amazing sequence, and and me is kind of uh, you know. It's always weird to say World War II buff because it's an actual real war with millions upon millions of casualties there and everything. But like, you know, the the bomber thing and everything, and you're like, ooh, war, pew, 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 playground fun as a kid. And to take all that and to really zoom in, focus in on this person and their sacrifice and then having Poe being like, huh, great, right? Slap in the face. No, uh, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta, uh, you know, continue the fight in our own way. So anyways, I don't want to remix it. Uh, I love it. Uh, well said, sir. And that is why Paige Tico is my number five, which means we're up to your number four. Uh, my number four is one that absolutely had to be on the list for me. Cause it was when I just closed my eyes and was honest with myself, it is the one that came to my head. Uh, and it is a very different kind of death, I think. And that is the passing of Yoda into the Force in Return of the Jedi. I um, yeah, I, I, I wanted to cut you. I love please. love these shows this because when you sent your list over to me, I was like, how did I forget about this death? 
It's such a different Star, Star Wars death. I almost forgot about it. So anyways, continue, sir. Great choice. Yeah. Well, and when I send it over, like, this is kind of a fun game of, you know, having podcasts together for a long time and, and knowing different uh, emotional memories that there was a part of me who's like, I know you have this emotional connection because your sister ran out of the theater, right? Yeah, yeah. Screaming, yodio, yodio. <laughs> so I was like, I wonder if, uh, I wonder if Ken's going to have yodio on the list. Uh, yeah, I think for me... Um, what I like about this is it is almost the polar opposite mm-hmm. of the Owen and Brew death. Uh, it is definitely sad, but it is unlike this brutality uh, inflicted upon Owen and Brew with just horrible cruelty by, you know, an imperial regime. This is uh, one of the most natural peaceful deaths mm-hmm. in star wars right it's still sad because we love yoda it still has you know great narrative purpose in in the real hero's journey stuff of like now now the student luke is entirely you know quote unquote alone right uh you know we of course learn he, he never is uh but that's the way it makes him feel in that moment uh yeah that he is uh the the last jedi at this time yeah. <laughs> uh but i think there's a lot in it that has always resonated with me over the years because of how like clear Yoda is about, yeah, no, I'm, <laughs> mm. I'm 900 years old. I've, I've had a really long life. Uh, this is totally natural. This is totally to be expected. It's, you know, it's okay to be sad, but you know, take what you've learned from me and, and move forward with it. Uh, I think that just the, the, piece with which he says that is the way of things that is the way of the force Mm. has always just uh uh, stuck with me because it is so peaceful of embracing uh the the parts of of the natural world uh or even a kind of ourselves that are like Mm. there's no there's no point in gnashing our teeth about this this is totally natural um and I think it's also, you know, it is really sad. And I think this this scene has probably made a million kids cry <laughs> <laughs> across generations. It was hard for me. I loved Yoda. Um, and it was it was sad and difficult. But I think that there's some peace in it in that he's not any, he, the scene is not any sort of like scary version of death. It's mm-hmm. not violent. You know, he's not raging yeah. <laughs> against the dying of the light. He's still really himself. He's still imparting wisdom. He's still kind of poking at Luke. I love that moment when Luke's like, then I am a Jedi. And Yoda's like, whoa, you think you're a Jedi? Are you like, he's even on his literal deathbed, he's still full of personality and charm and whimsy. And I think that allows you to sort of accept it, you know? Yeah. Um, and then I think the other two big things for me is just total headcanon, you know, I really like the idea that Yoda has been sick. It is his natural time. And he's just been holding on for this yeah. one last conversation with Luke. And what, in some ways, a, a joyful right. last conversation with Luke. There's a lot of, you know, back and forth. There's a lot about Yoda still being like, it's too bad that mm. you rushed off and you found out he was your father this way. And, and this revelation that it's, kind of because Yoda's concerned about Luke. Like, it's a huge burden, and it's it's too bad you had to have to feel it all on your shoulders now. But there is a real also, like, you already, 
you've already learned everything you need to. You have all the tools you need. Now you just need to go out and, and use them. And even a kind of a, a holding out hope of Yoda isn't saying like, yeah, he's your dad, but you got to kill him. He's just like, you have to face him. That's that's the challenge you have to go through. So he, he held out for this last conversation in my head canon. Mm-hmm. And it's a conversation where I think Yoda gets some validation too of like, look at this much, much more mature, calm, wise, Jedi-like young man that returned to me. Yeah. Like, I didn't, I was afraid it was going to go the other way. And, and what great validation that, you know, a Luke that can go, I'm sorry, with that amount of weight is the, is the Luke that came back to him. Yeah. It's got to be a nice thing uh, for Yoda to see. Um, and then my final thing is just, this is one of the great, uh, if you were going to do a play of Star Wars and, and you wanted to choose some scenery, this is the death scene, right? <laughs> the the fighting for the last syllable of Skywalker, right? It's, yeah. It is just, in terms of Star Wars also just being a drama, <laughs> this is the, like, I am going to use my last breath to tell you the last thing I feel like you should know. I love that. Uh, hi, my name's Ken. I'm here to audition for the part. I'll be reading uh, the Yoda Die monologue. <laughs> if I went back to doing a, a theater and audition as just an actor, I think I might try that. And at least they would remember me as they told me to leave. Um, well, sir, that's just that's just downright beautiful. And and yeah, you're you're right. Almost the exact opposite of the own Emberu death, but um, equally as important. And and maybe even. More important in the sense of, I look at the Kenobi death in New Hope, and, and, and it's a valuable lesson for young kids on a journey. The, the Bruin uh, Owen one is there too, but, you know, we're, we're, we're all supposed to go on from that. We're all supposed to, you know, it, it is the life and the life cycle, and, and New Hope kind of has all that, the, the hero's journey, but also just the, the kid going in the real world journey, as we know. But to come back later in this film, and you're right, this, this is not a violent death. This is not going out in a blaze of glory. This is what's supposed to happen, which is also a valuable lesson for us. And yeah, I'm seven watching this and my sister's scream crying and being taken out of the <laughs> Fair Oaks Theater in Grand Avenue in Royal Grande, California in 1983. Um, but I, I, whether I know it or not, I'm being given those lessons to, to learn from. Um, and they're not easy and death is not easy, nor should it ever be easy. Uh, but this isn't easy. And it seems I feel for Luke in that moment. And you're so right to point out that he's come back. And I love, too, that we've got what? What do we got? Six, eight months now? It's a year between these films. Uh, yeah, I think it's a year now in, in current canon. Yeah. And, a, and and the comics are in that phase right now. And there's going to be a lot of crazy adventures and comic, comic-y, comic book adventures. But I love that Yoda's just over there waiting, biding his time, knowing his light is fading. Uh, that's pretty powerful. I, I think you're right. I, I'm there with your head, can, head cannon on that moment of just he's holding on and, and can die knowing that he's done everything he can do and maybe needs to do to help this um, young man on it. And, and it affects me because Luke feels not helpless, but he's so he's so on his own in, in, uh, and feels alone in that moment. Um, and he tries to face it. There's a little bit of a, OK, got it. Got it. I know what I got. Now I get it. And, and I love a lot about that. It's such a great scene. So, yeah. 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 And, and it just is the, the, the question of, you know, who Luke will ultimately be is, is still uh, up mm-hmm. in the air until the end of the, yeah. the film. But I just love that Yoda has so much evidence that his greatest fears aren't coming true yeah. about Luke. 
Yeah. When you add in some additional cannon material of uh, Yoda wanted to train Leia, that's Qui-Gon's blanket. There's a lot going on in this scene. There's a lot. And, and who knows, if you really want to add that in, you know, that that's Yoda's uh, last line of like, look, if you screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> he does say to pass on what you've learned. So he does have Leia on the mind as well, quite a bit, uh, you know. And even, even if you don't factor in uh, the the recent canon that Yoda, you know, pined to train uh, Leia uh, over Luke, uh, even just reading the film, pass on what you've learned, the importance of, of telling Luke that there is another, uh, does speak to um, the importance of Leia to Yoda. Yeah, absolutely. Great number four. Great number four. All right, we're going... Uh... To my number four, we're still kind of, uh, uh, well, Paige Tico, I guess, take that back. We're, we're in the original trilogy era right now. And I, uh, this is one I, I try not to be what I, what I think is, quote, unquote, too cute. I don't want to uh, list a favorite song that's a B-side no one's heard of. But this is one that's not uh, <laughs> celebrated um, too much. I know, but we've talked about it here. And, and this is one of my favorite moments. So no surprise for some people. But uh, going to the Eclipse short story by Madeline Rue in the first uh, Star Wars from a certain point of view. This is the death of Bale and Breha Organa their final moments. Uh, if you've never had a chance to read this story, uh, those from a certain point of view books are kind of wild. They're canon, canon adjacent at times. And even we kind of pick and choose what we believe here at Ford Center because uh, mm-hmm. they get a little wild. But I've always loved this one. And and I, I've said before, I'll tell you a little bit more of the story. Disclosure, I, I'm, I'm friends with Madeline and, and I haven't talked to her in a couple of years, but she used to let, live out here in L.A. for a while. We actually drove down to Star Wars Celebration 2015 together. Uh, and I, we, she moved out of the area. And then I saw her again in Orlando, 2017. And she said, hey, can't tell anybody, but I'm writing this story. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm on the list. And uh, I was so excited for it. But it's a friend. You know, you want to good. I I hope it's really good. I trust her as an author. She's a great author. But I was like, oh, cool. And then this story blew me away. And uh, it's still one of my favorite pieces. And I can never watch New Hope and not think about this, uh, which is why uh, I love it so much. And it is a uh, a simple uh, short story of, of Breha Organa trying to do her daily business as, uh, you know, the Queen of Alderaan there, ruling party of Alderaan. Um, you go through a lot of it. A lot of it she had talked to uh, Madeline. I talked to Claudia Gray and they shared some notes on Leia, Prince of Alderaan. So there's a very similar vibe to the character there. And it starts with her underneath the beautiful sun. Uh, on, a, on a, the sun pe- peeking through on a day of Alderaan. But of course, she's worried about Bale. She's worried about Leia. They have not heard from her. They don't know what's going on. And, and uh, uh, the story starts with that sun, the natural, beautiful sun of Alderaan, and ends with what is described as a, quote, unnatural eclipse that happens fast. And that is, of course, the Death Star arriving. But in between then, you, you have Bale returning delivering the news that Leia is missing, the Tanavi 4 is destroyed, they don't know anything. And and Brea spends the entire story needing to know if her daughter is alive, needing to know as a mother, as a, as a rebel, as as a as a you know, her and her husband helping form what's going on, but she needs to know and she can't get that proof. A couple of days pass and that's when the Death Star arrives. Um and then as you're reading the story, the tension, the because you know what's happening, clearly, mm-hmm. and the way it's described and the way it's played out and the way it ends with Bale and her and their arms together, um, uh, spending, and Bale even says, at least we'll be with each other. And in the final moments, kind of the re- realization that Brea spends this entire little story here needing to know her daughter's alive and the Death Star arriving confirms it. And the conversation, the final words, Bale saying she lives, um, 
and he repeats that twice and Brea says, I know, and it's a great use of, I know, which you mm-hmm. know, is tradition in star Wars. And then just, um, the beautiful, beautiful, but also brutal description of their death, uh, as they're, uh, re- removed into oblivion basically. And those are the final words, the hope. And this is, this is truly, a um, truly one of those stories, a star Wars story there. It is, uh, uh, Syncs up well with a lot of other stuff, of Rogue One and all those kind of things. Uh, I can't, I can't ever escape it. It, 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 it can move me to tears when I read. I just re- read it this morning and, and uh, had one of those big gulps in my throat. Uh, it's so beautiful, it's so heartbreaking, and uh, I can never not think of it when I see New Hope. So that is my number four: Bale and Breha Organa. Uh, I think that is a deep dive worth visiting because maybe in terms of you know how you find the story it's in this uh this book yeah. <laughs> that swings wildly from the the super goofy and the super fun and the super wild to the super emotional uh you know it's one short story but in terms of like where it sits in the importance of star wars it's yeah. it's huge right um bale and brea and and their raising of leia and uh, the true significance of Alderaan—it's—it's it's huge. It's all really huge, and I, I have—I remember really loving that story. I have not revisited uh, any of those stories. I need to pick up a certain point of view uh, from my shelf and just go through and read the ones that resonated with me, yeah. you know, and have a good reread. Am I remembering correctly that they are out on a balcony as? Yes, the end is coming. Yes, they are out on uh, the, their balcony there, up on the uh, the apartments, the royal uh, the royal apartments, if you were, if you will. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, the imagery there, especially the end of Revenge of the Sith, and, and even uh, Padme on, on a balcony up there uh, in in Clone Wars. Just it, it, yeah, that image. There's a lot of balcony imagery, and that for some reason, when I think of it, I mean, I, I think there is obviously the practical. They they're, mm-hmm. they have a window to, to the atmosphere. They're they're looking. Yeah. Uh, but there is something uh, just very uh, powerful about that balcony image. It's one of the most powerful images of Bale, of being on that balcony in Attack of the Clones with a little right. uh, 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 fist bump of frustration on the on the balcony. Yeah. Uh, and I think that just that image of Leia's parents, yeah. <laughs> you know, some of the original rebels uh, holding each other on that balcony and clinging to hope not even clinging to it, finding hope in the truly the darkest moment mm. is real, real great, strong Star Wars uh, uh, storytelling. Yeah, powerful indeed. And it works on a, a parental level, works on a rebel level. It works on, uh, you know, partners, uh, husband and wife, in this case, holding each other for for one final time. That strikes a chord, too. Uh, it it, it uh, checks a lot of sad boxes, but also hopeful boxes. Um, so that's why I love it so much. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, uh, we always like, uh, Brea content. Uh, Star Wars is a, a story about families and Brea is a figure who's very important that, uh, I think, uh, we want to spend more time with. And this is a great, uh, story that really, uh, gives her her day in, <laughs> in, in, uh, hope and care. Yeah, it does. It does. So that is my number four, which means we now, if I'm counting correctly, are up to your number three. Yeah, my number three is uh, pinging back to the brutal. <laughs> uh, and I think I picked this one because it's visually affecting uh, and it's also just such an incredibly decisive moment. Uh, and that is the death of Mace Windu. Uh, I know many people don't want this to be the death of Mace Windu. Uh, they want him to return. I always say uh, for myself, I would love more Mace Windu storytelling 
but I kind of want this moment to be his death because it is so pivotal, so mm-hmm. important. Um, I think I was thinking through all the different kinds of death. Uh, you know, we, we have the the brutal of Owen and Brew. We have the very peaceful of Yoda. Mm. Even within the the brutal versus the peaceful, we have the villains winning sometimes in death and the heroes winning sometimes in death. And I'm, this is one of those brutal deaths where the villains really, really win. Totally, unambiguously, <laughs> clearly win. Uh, I like how decisive it is uh just in terms of the actual death the actual vision of it right it it is um just so brutal uh arm chopped off in in a moment of uh horrible uh betrayal from mace's perspective uh certainly then just bombarded with with sith lightning which you know often the lightning can you can kind of feel a couple different ways about it There, there are kind of some moments where it can almost be like a Oh yeah, that's a that's one of your talents if you're a Sith on a video game and you're drop down box, yeah. right? You know, it's it's evil wizard stuff. There's other times where it's so effectively like that's just pure hatred. That's the emotion of hatred pouring out of one person and invading someone else's body. <laughs> and this one for me is just like that is every ounce of hate that Sidious has just poured. Uh, into Mace Windu's body and, and wrapping around his his skeleton. Uh, you know, that's every meeting that Sidious sat through where he had to pretend he didn't hate Mace Windu <laughs> with every fiber of his being, and now it's just coursing through Mace Windu. It's not just uh, lightning in that sort of like, uh, wow, he took a lot of points of damage in D&D. <laughs> he certainly did, but it, I also just feel it as the utter hate. And then, in classic Star Wars t- tradition, that's not enough. Arm chopped off, bombarded with lightning, uh, thrown from an extremely high place. Yeah. <laughs> it is, uh, to me, like, yeah, sure. It's uh, within the pulp world of Star Wars. Could he have survived? Sure. Yeah. But emotionally, I don't want him to survive because this is the literal <laughs> and metaphorical but very literal moment that the jedi fell right yeah uh sidious hasn't said uh, execute order 66 yet but in some ways this is the first order 66 mm. death yeah even anakin recognizes this as the moment the choice that he thinks he can't step back from mm-hmm. he has that moment of doubt falls to his knees what have i done you know insidious goes in for the kill of like if the Jedi find out what you did here, you know, th- this is the moment that you can't turn back from. So it, it, it's Mace's death. It's the tragedy for me that, and I know other people have different headcanon about it, and I think that's awesome. I think he actually did have uh, uh, Sidious on his heels. Yeah. And if Anakin had not intervened, uh, Mace could have stopped the threat. I, to me, I enjoy that tragedy, that Mace was so close to stopping these years of horror from happening yeah. uh and instead it, it has utter horror happen to him and then from for my headcanon too uh, and this is total headcanon just having fun with the ambiguities of the story i really like the idea that the prophecy is that anakin would end the sith and there are different moments and times he could have done it he defeated dooku he could have helped stop sidious in this moment right he, he didn't and then years and years later, he fulfilled mm. uh, the prophecy. 
in Return of the Jedi, but this was the moment where Anakin truly could have made a different choice. And boy, does he not. And Mace Windu pays the price. And, and Palpatine, uh, flash forward to Return of the Jedi, his own lightning and falling a great deal. Yes, Star Wars traditions indeed. Um, <laughs> so much in this moment. I'm really glad you chose this one because in terms of just Mace, um, Mace along the way, we know, man, you know, he's maybe made some mistakes, maybe, maybe held a little too hard to the uh, old Jedi Order lines. But I've always said, too, that he's also the one that along the way seems to be really right about a lot of things <laughs> and no one listens. Um, uh, we can just talk about bedside manner or execution of, of your ideas there with Mace. I don't know, but he pays the ultimate price. And I, I'm with you too. I, I think you could, you could really get into, it is almost like a, a mortal combat video game power uh, chart on whether Palpatine let him win or how much he let him win and how much he was hoping Anakin would show up at the right time, all those kind of things. I think you could have the, that fun discussion, but it works best for me when there's a little bit of mace had did have the advantage um that palpatine was a a a, a, a guy that uh had his plans but needed to adjust and take advantage of things as they happened and and then there's a lot of examples along the way so i think it's it's all that in this moment but it works bigger it, it's just a bigger moment if if there's more at stake if mace actually like you said was right there on the cusp of really ending this and anakin stops that that's more powerful to me you know yeah, and I think I think the other thing that makes it powerful for me is Sidious is uh, benefited most when he convinces the Jedi to tie themselves into knots and, and mm-hmm. take half measures. Of, right. We'll kind of fight the Clone Wars, but but we really can't, you know, go all the way in. So uh, we're going to drag this out. You know, uh, we go to all of our wonderful, well-meaning Jedi characters who take themselves into exile and question: Am I doing more harm than good? And that's what's really different uh, about Mace is Mace is always a character who is determined to take a full measure. Right. He's like, I've analyzed this myself and this is the right thing to do. You know, in his speech here, you know, it's understandable that Anakin is twisted around by it because he has been manipulated so successfully by Palpatine of of claiming that the Jedi and the Sith are the same. And Mace unwittingly, it seems to demonstrate that by using the exact same words as Palpatine. You know, Mm -hmm. it's a great manipulation. But I think from Mace's perspective, he's... Like, look, I've thought this through. Uh, the Jedi is not the Republic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we are we are our own agency. Uh, our main thing, above all else, is to stop the dark side from rising. Uh, the courts won't convict him. This has to be done. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing it with any malice in my heart. I have to stop him because he will do horrors to the galaxy. Uh, and I think all of that, to me, is more powerful if... Palpatine is relying on Jedi hemming and hawing and Mace is a problem for him because Mace doesn't hem and haw. Yeah. <laughs> Mace is like, you know, I hate, I got, I got a list at home for myself and <laughs> stop the Sith is number one. That's my Jedi responsibility. And I'm not going to be distracted from uh, cut to Mace's Jedi apartment where he's just got a list. He's writing, stop the Sith every day to do list today. <laughs> number um, two, stop the Sith again. again. Like he's, he just, he's not a half measure guy. And I think that, is more difficult for Sidious to manipulate. Yeah, and and, and that's a great observation about Mace, and, and maybe some uh, more conversations about about Mace to come here in Force Center. But even going to Django, that is that is not a half measure. <laughs> nope, nope. <laughs> He's all in. Um, so I like that about Mace, but also it's part of the, the maybe the complications of Mace at times. Um, 
Uh, I really do love his character. So the death means a lot. It, 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 it's This is a powerful death, and he goes out in a big way. I'm with you. I want this to be the death. Um, I do want more May storytelling, maybe going back in time. And as far as the Palpatine moments, the unlimited power moment, it's, it's, it's all of it. This is a big scene, and it's definitely a big death in Star Wars. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, the, the first, uh, you know, uh, murder that Vader and uh, Sidious do together, too. So, oh, you guys. Um, <laughs> also, you, you highlighted uh, you've talked about it before, too, when it comes to Palpatine and Yoda. But one of the undervalued, less, dare I say, celebrated traits of Palpatine, it's just his pettiness. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like I've had to sit with Mace. Oh God, I want to get him! And oh, here's my green friend. He's pretty. He's pretty bad. No, no, no! <laughs> it's so petty. Just been waiting. Uh, that is a great number three from you, sir. Uh, and now uh, we are going to go to um, an animated death here, and this is my number three: is the death of Kanan Jarrus from the episode mm. Jedi Knight Rebels season four. A lot to be said about this uh, death, and and uh, I am still. I watched this whole episode this morning, and since seen it, gosh, actually in a couple of years, uh, it's it's still affecting. It's still big, and and here's one of the reasons I included on this list, Joseph. Is remember Rebels debuts in 2014. Remember Clone Wars debuts in 2008, and there's a lot of times where we as uh, Star Wars fans go, oh, well, these characters have to die because X, Y, and Z. <laughs> Can't be here during the story. And more often than not, the characters don't die. Um, no. The, the Star Wars are floaty. He finds a way to keep them going in some way that are, <laughs> that are wonderful and creative, and, and we celebrate those. But this is one of those deaths that we're like, oh, I bet he's got to die. And four years later, he does die. And it is surprising in its own way it is painful it is bittersweet it is inspiring it is everything and it is dare i say that word we like to throw around cinematic and and this just if and i've got some star wars friends who are like hey i love star wars i don't really connect to the animated stuff which by the way i like i'm not a huge pixar fan i get it sometimes i just don't connect as much um it's not saying those movies are bad it's just, hey, they don't grab me so to some of those friends, I'm always like, I totally get it if maybe you're not pulled in by Rebels, Clone Wars, Resistance. I get it. But this is one of those moments I wish you were. I just wish you were because it's a big, giant Star Wars moment with the music. This is some of Kiner's best music, including um, a part of the, the the score syncing up with what would be Hera's scream of pain. And it's the music that you hear, not Hera. And there's a lot of Hera in this episode. Kanan's going to rescue her. So it's about their love. It's about this family they're leading. And there's a line that breaks my heart, not a minute or two before this death. And it's Hera saying, after she's been rescued by Kanan, I'm not letting you go this time. And mm. as we learned with Yoda, as we learned with the death of Ben Kenobi, uh, Bra and Bale and Owen and Brew, up to this point in our conversation, even Mace, sometimes life is going to have to ask you. It just asks you. Uh, you. You need to let go. You got to be ready to let go. Are you ready to let go? And this is a little bit about that for me. And that's why this work and this this whole sequence is preceded by an epic Star Wars kiss. We're talking romantic Big, sweepy, <laughs> 1950s, end of an action movie, diehard, whatever you want to say. It's a wonderful moment. A wonderful moment of just expressed love and connection and dedication and their story so far. And, and Harry even makes reference to, your hair's short. It hasn't been this short since when I first met you, which is the events of the, the book of New Dawn. And then the death happens. Uh, uh, Orinda Price uh, has the fuel tanks explode. And, and, and Kanan doesn't hesitate. 
doesn't doesn't do anything other than what he needs to do, which is to stop the explosion, stop the flames, push Hera back, tell Ezra to go. Sabine, with tears in her eyes, flies the ship away because she knows it's the right thing. It is, it is all those things. It is, it is such a big moment. And and I remember because there's so many just dedicated Rebels fans, and even when they kind of knew this was coming, it still still got us. And that's okay. It was okay to cry in Star Wars. It's okay, to, <laughs> okay, okay to feel this uh, this big moment. And Ezra. Uh, gets to you know continue with Kanan in their own way. A lot of mystical stuff going on with that character, but this is a big moment, giant moment. Shout out to everyone who made it happen, especially Kevin Kiner. It's it's, it's one of his big, big moments in terms of music. So that's my number three: the death of Kanan Jarrus. Yeah, I mean, what a, what a great journey uh, you've uh, portrayed, just in terms of fan perception, fan relationship, right? To see a character like Kanan go cool, fun, like him, gotta die. <laughs> yeah. Uh, move, moving chips around on the board, chips around on the board. Uh, you can't, you know. Uh, and I definitely felt that way uh, yeah. because he is, you know, an older, engaged, mature Jedi. You know, mm-hmm. Ezra's got his own story. But to go from that sort of like, okay, he's a chess piece that, that shouldn't be on the board to how connected you are to him and how emotional it is uh, and how important it is to Kanan's journey the way he leaves the board, right? right. Um, a couple of things that I've always liked about that moment is, I think, one, it's just a great image. It's mm-hmm. just an image of finding peace within chaos and death and horror. It's such a, uh, uh, there's so much about this death that is a triumph for the character of Kanan mm-hmm. uh, that it's just this image of of fire and inevitable death, right? And just that's the power of a Jedi to reach the other hand and say, hold on just a second, yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, and the the hand extended one way, uh, holding back, you know, the horror and the chaos and, and the darkness. And the other hand, you know, reaching out to, to make sure that others are safe uh, is just kind of a great image uh, of what a Jedi can do. And I think just for like the journey of Kanan who, who, who dealt with so much trauma um, that uh, for better or worse, we, we, for different fans, we got to see in the bad badge. Um, but in, in the story of rebels, his doubt at his training was never completed. He's not that great of a Jedi. He can't possibly train. Uh, this is a moment where he, he, he has true power mm-hmm. and he uses it. And it reminds you like that. It does matter that the, that Jedi have this power, this responsibility because it, it allows them to save people. Mm. Uh, on a like a very literal level uh but then it's but almost more emotional to me it's such it's such a jedi choice that we aren't all fighting this grand cosmic battle Mm. this is an important moment but it's an important moment to uh this part of the battle to these people right here uh and saving anyone Mm. is a is a good way for a Jedi to go. Mm. Um, mm. And, and I think the fact that it is just a moment where he is saving uh, people that he cares about uh, to, to live another day and letting go. And he's so at peace that that is the Jedi way. And, mm. and he is a Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. And his eyes clear up. He's been blind for a couple seasons and his eyes clear up at the end. Uh, 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 means a lot the clarity uh, of what he's doing the clarity uh that he 
now has in this final moment, his whole life leading to this, including, yeah, you're right. We do, you know, no small feat that we see some of the, his trauma uh, with Depa Balaba and everything now at the beginning of the Bad Batch or the, or the comic series as well, which is equally as powerful uh, in its own way now. Um, yeah, it works for me. It works for the character. And also a lesson of um, even if you do know a character is going to die or has died, there's still value in the journey to that point. There's still value in the storytelling uh, of their of their adventure and their lessons and their failures and their final successes. So that's why it moves me. Yeah, yeah, the the how and the why all matter. It absolutely does. It absolutely does. Uh, so that's my number three, which means we're up to your number two. Uh, my number two is another violent, brutal death. But uh, strangely, I I wanted to include one death that I describe as a cheering death. is in the audience literally uh cheers um because like we're talking about there's some uh brutal deaths that are victories for the uh, villains and some that are victories for the heroes this is one that is a a victory for the heroes in the moment uh and that is the death of supreme leader snoke um there's a lot i almost went through and, and and picked just some and i got one or two in the runner ups of like the Star Wars is an action series with heroes, and there's some oh, awesome, you took out the bad guy, cool moments. I think this is kind of, to me, like the biggest and most pivotal, awesome, you got the bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> and in a cool, surprising way. Um, I think we've talked a lot about this scene and the complexity of what's going on with uh, Kylo in this moment and Ray this moment, and they're, they're both coming together but also not, understanding that they are not quite on the same page yet, but both thinking that they are in this moment, uh, that the, the Ray catching the saber and them standing up together, uh, to, to face the Praetorian guards, all that stuff is great, but to just focus on the Snoke of it, Mm. uh, for a moment uh, on the actual death, right? Yeah. Um, all throughout star Wars, I think that it paints the villains as true threats they have true power they are to be feared but they're also to be pitied Mm. because they're kind of you know empty and pompous and that was one of the things that that i really connected to in early viewings of last jedi is the the first order is just walking all over our heroes they've got the military might our heroes are are backed into a corner and still everything that snoke is doing in this film is just the but what if Luke Skywalker comes back and kicks my ass? <laughs> Everything is fear, fear, fear. Yeah. And to see this person who is clearly powerful, Snoke, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and motivated by fear, but has this deadly power and happily takes life and revels in taking life and then just gets really amped up throughout this movie, but in particular this scene of being just absolutely overconfident and full of himself and the kind of scene we often see where a villain is just like you know it is an insult that you didn't think that i would not have already thought of that right it's like even a cliche villain line he doesn't literally say that but that's to me the spirit of his speech of like how insulting to think that you could even think about standing up to me and there is to me just an endless joy in that instant hubris karma of he's in the middle of you could not possibly ever what (laughs) that i think is what makes that moment 
you know, even after the the surprise of it the first time, mm. continue to be a, a fascinating, cheering death because it really is. It, it's unique to that character. It's unique to that moment. It, it, but it's also just like it's cathartic because you want that to happen to every pompous villain mm. to just uh, they're ranting about how great they are. And then <laughs> they're suddenly cut in half uh, almost by their own hubris. Yeah. I mean, I got it. I'm so glad you chose this one because I, I, I don't have the words to describe how much I actually do love this entire sequence. And again, you're talking about the Snoke throne room battle, which is its own kind of little story. And this is such a great moment for Ray with the blade coming to our hand. I mean, that is one of those moments I'll say years from now, I was there when you all cheered for that. <laughs> Yeah, every screening I saw, there massive cheers for this moment. Yeah, and what it means for Kylo. I mean, it's a Kylo moment versus a Ben moment for me, and in him becoming who he kind of f- feels he should be, right? Uh, and a lot of stuff there, but just the pure... Yeah, you did see it coming once the blades turned in. You did. And it was like, you, you're you right. This wasn't a last second save. This wasn't a, the villain gets an upper hand and, and, and the battle's in the third act of the movie. This is early on. I mean, midway, midpoint or whatever it is on the actual screenplay. But I, so it, 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 I just remember thinking they're going to do, and then the blade goes through. And my mouth dropped in a way that I, I can't quite explain. Because it wasn't, again, it wasn't like you do it. It's happening. You see it happening. You know, you look into Kylo Ben's eyes. You know what he's like. And I remember having a, I'll just say it, I had a, I had a debate with my editors on, on, on uh, my book because I wrote about the scene and they're like, we didn't like, we don't like this one because it wasn't a surprise to us. I was like, that it was in the overall sense, but it wasn't about that. It was about what actually happened, which is what you're describing, Joseph. Well, and I think it is, a. I think depending on different viewers, it is a surprise because yes, we see what Kylo is attempting to do, but we feel like, I think many people in the first viewing feel like, but it's not going to work. Right. Yeah. Well, you're so, again, this is what this whole movie is, is, is about and not the whole movie, but but going back to what we're talking about page two, you're right. It's going to subvert things to validate things. That's a great, I'm going to, we need a Star Wars bumper sticker for that. (laughs) So yes. Anyways. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, and it, it is just, uh, I do not mean this as a pun, it's just the sentence I was going to say, but I'll acknowledge it. It's executed so well. Uh, the, the execution is executed well of just that utter shock on his face and then the the, the pullback. Yeah. Um, you know, and, it, and it's got great rhythms with uh, Luke and, and Palpatine's back and forth about, you know, your faith, your overconfidence yeah. is your weakness, you know, your faith in your friends is yours. It's like, that is... You know, evil doesn't uh, change too much, and it is always overconfident, mm-hmm. and it can be exploited, and yeah, that overconfidence can be exploited, and this is a great moment of that. I, 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 I the a great pairing with it is is the cut back to the throne room after when it's just his sliced, dissected body and his tongues out, and it's <laughs> and it's comedy, but it's it also reinforces everything you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that in that that that. Power isn't everything, you know. Uh, it, obviously, Kylo does use his power, but but he uses his uh, his knowledge and, frankly, being uh, clever. You know, this is a moment where he is uh, the son of uh, Solo and Leia and the student of Luke, right? Of yeah. like, uh, I've got a clever solution to the fact that he can overpower me and the fact that he can read my mind. Yeah, indeed. 
Well, yeah, that gold robe, all the hubris, our favorite Star Wars word, and <laughs> crashing down in one flick of a blade. It did indeed, and I still cheer alone in my home when I watch. Oh, yeah, that's a chill moment. Come on, that hand goes up. That bl- Ah, yeah, Star Wars. It's pretty darn good. Um, <laughs> that's your number two. We're up to my number two. Then we'll take a break, have some runner-ups, and get to our number one favorite Star Wars deaths here. My number two. We're going to 2016's Rogue One. And, well, there's a lot of choices in that film. <laughs> uh, speaking of, well, they all got to die. Uh, that was uh, definitely a story when the, the lights come up. You're thinking, they all got to die. And, well, they do, which was in its own way surprising, um, uh, which is, I don't say that's why a lot of people love Ro- Rogue One, but there's just the story has stakes. And the story is um, darker, dimmer at times for Star Wars stories. But, um, uh, all the deaths point towards one thing. And to me, that one thing is hope, um, all those kind of things there. So um, what what I'm listing for my number two death here is the death of Cassie Andor and Jyn Erso. So some thought process into it. I love, um, love, uh, the love, which is a weird thing to say, but the death of K2SO affects me. Mm-hmm. That, that's the one that, you're kind of like, oh, are they going to do this? I mean, they're starting with a droid, so it's going, maybe that's a little easy for us to take. And it's a powerful moment. Uh, choice over programming is the big theme and to me in K2's uh, life and sacrifice. I love that death for what it means. The, the, the death of Bodhi Rook is actually also, I got to say, one of my favorite Star Wars deaths. It is a, it is a, is an everyday man making good and, and ultimate sacrifice. And, and, and Riz Ahmed's face just tells the story. Um, uh, the the Bays Malbus and... And shared anyway deaths are powerful in their own way. So I could have listed any one of those or could have just said, hey, all of them. But I'm going with this one because, Joseph, this is another thing where the music takes over. That's that that piece of music. Your father would be proud is absolutely one of my favorite Star Wars pieces. The battle is in therefore in the background. And, and, and this this the focus is the, the death here of these two characters of, of their journeys, of both the separate paths to get here, not just at odds in this movie, but the lives they've led so far that we pick up from for the movie and know a little bit more. And we'll know more about it with, with the Andor series. And I, I, I predict that Andor series is going to make this moment even more powerful. Um, oh, yes. I love their connection. Um, it's I've never taken it as as romantic when they're staring at each other, but I also think there there's. A little connection there. There is a, there is a love there in a way uh, because they know they're about to spend the last moments with each other. And they just went through this and, and they both look at each other's eyes and, and know what's about to happen. That's powerful for me. Then the hit of the hit on the beach, which I remember even at the time, it's like, oh, this is kind of the deep impact death. Uh, if you remember that movie with Taylor Leone and her father and there's you can it's a, you can say it's a, it draws upon other things that have come before. But it stands on its own. Uh, the death of Krennic wrapped in this to dine at the hands of his own aspirations and his uh, creation that he held onto so tightly. Um, and what this is about, you got you got um, Vader. He's about to do his hallway scene, but he he's in the background behind the music. Uh, you got Radis, uh, Rogue One, may the force be with you. Such a sad moment. He's about to die. But all this to me, Joseph says this with the music taking control and them holding on to each other and the tears in Jen's eyes. Uh, the death is in the distance. It's hope that's going to take us forward. It is literally the movie saying we must go towards hope. This is about hope. The sacrifice is about hope. This battle is about hope. That word gets tossed around so much. Cassian the first to really say it in this movie. But it is about hope. 
and that emerges from absolute darkness, the unnatural eclipse of the Death Star. So that's why I'm submitting this as my number two choice. Yeah, no, I, I think it's really great uh, that we talk Rogue One. Uh, I think it is uh, it is something that uh, I think doesn't get discussed enough uh, when sometimes people who who are a little bit more critical of Star Wars say, no, they don't take any risks. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I always think that those walls of action figures of characters who sadly and brutally died yeah. <laughs> uh, is, is a big risk. But I think it really, really works because... Hope is a word that gets used in Star Wars a lot. It is an idea that gets used in Star Wars a lot. But going all the way back to the deaths of Owen and Beru, um, the darkness, the, the the true possibility of of horror, is what gives the light so much power and, and makes it feel not just like you know uh, a little greeting card message, but something that truly has weight and meaning and power. Mm. And for me. It, what's so moving about the deaths in Rogue One isn't the the canon thing of like, okay, well then why wasn't Cassian <laughs> at this meeting? Or, you know, why where was he in the background of Hoth? It wasn't that. To me, it, it was really, they went there knowing they had a high likelihood of not making it out, but it was worth it to have even a glimmer of hope of not living under the tyranny of the Empire forever mm-hmm. and not having the galaxy uh, live under the tyranny forever that that is what w- was worth it to them and i remember my first viewing of yep k2so's uh eyes go out and it is very sad and there's the like is that what they're going to do are they going to you know offer the droid as a sacrifice right. yeah and then when Bodie rook goes they're like oh no yeah for me it was oh th- this is what we're doing yeah and even with that uh i felt such um joy for Cassian in Jin's victory yeah and such humanity in the way that they looked at each other with with hope and and with connection and with with true affection it doesn't even matter what it is you know yeah. it doesn't matter of what would they have dated it's just you can feel yeah. the true honest connection between them and even is the uh, what the film was telling me was inevitable is coming. I still had that little bit of like, but maybe there's a cave underneath them. <laughs> Check it out guys. Like, uh, and, and that to me, whenever uh, a, a movie has that sort of uh, that classic tragedy storytelling of, we know it's going to happen, but we still kind of hope maybe it'll be different somehow on this viewing. Yeah. The death has that, that real uh, impact. And, uh, you feel, I feel the tragedy of it, but I also feel the, the great meaning of it and the, and the peace that they have come to that they are in that moment of hope of like, we are sure somebody was listening. We're, we're sure somebody got it. We're, we're sure yeah. it was worth it, you know? And then I think also just in terms of just, um, imagery, you know, we have lots of different images of, of death from the, uh, very, uh, shocking and brutal and, and fire and water and, this one, I just think the imagery of water, you know, mm. it, it, they're killed by the Death Star technically, but it's this, it's the wave of water, right? Yeah. And, and, and water in, in human uh, storytelling. And I think human uh, philosophy has such power of, you know, that idea that uh, we're waves, but then we, we, we emerge and join the sea and, and we're always there, but we're not there in the same way we were before. The fact that it's a wave gives it this sense of, uh, even though it is a 
a horrific death and a violent death, it still gives it a slight sense of of peace and nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 nature versus uh, mechanical, uh, organic versus mechanical. Star Wars is you know it's a theme. I know it's uh, it's close to your heart and, and important to us here at Force Center. There's something in, there's something to that. And, and you t- you said something there too, but uh, piece uh, that piece of music. Um, I've talked about it before, but just to highlight it here, it's like, I, I was one of those, eh, I didn't like the Rogue One score the first time I saw it. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I go on shows, pound in a desk. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think the music worked. And then I thought it was one day, just this piece of, this piece of music came on. And I was like, wait, wait, what is this? Cause this is moving me. This is star Wars. Right. <laughs> and just went over to my iPod and was like, or my phone and was like, Oh God, that's right. This is the scene of Rogue One, and it got me. And now I, this is just absolutely wonderful, wonderful piece of, of music by Michael Giacchino, and and uh, uh, he, it, it, there's a great piece in it. It's sadness. It's very sad and somber, especially with the imagery and and the image of Vader just kind of looking out and just it's another day at the office for Vader. Almost, I mean, I, I would argue it isn't. It's it's a, another day full of rage for Vader. But um, it, there's there's peace in it. There's hope in this song. Uh, and this piece of music and that's why it works for me as well yeah absolutely and, and i do think there is great uh, great uh bittersweet piece in it i think this is a great choice yeah yeah um so uh there we go from uh that's uh, my number two uh which means uh we are going to uh take a quick uh break and come back and go into some runner-ups and then talk about our favorite deaths in Star Wars. Grab some uh, Kleenex, some tissue. It might get sad. All right, stick around here on Force A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days, you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. 
BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. Welcome back to Star Wars Ragdoll. Yes, we are having a lot of fun talking about sadness, but also hope and beauty and peace and purpose in Star Wars and a little bit of hubris fallen. It's uh, our journey through our favorite Star Wars deaths. I'm Ken Napsack along with Joseph Scrimshaw. Thank you all for listening today. Uh, Joseph, before we get to our number one choices, we always like to go through some runner-ups. So what are the deaths that moved you just enough uh, to not get on the top five? <laughs> Yeah, this was a hard one because there are some like major, major uh, deaths that felt like we should acknowledge. And then there are some just ones that are fun is a weird, weird word, but a different kind of death. Yeah. Uh, one of the, the uh, more run of the mill deaths. Sorry, that's weird, but I'm acknowledging it uh, that I thought uh, was important to, to reference is uh, in A New Hope, when uh, Luke and Leia are trying to get across the chasm in the Death Star uh, and Luke uh, manages to shoot one of the stormtroopers. And the stormtrooper falls uh, and screams. 
Uh, it is, of course, the Wilhelm scream, which goes on to have uh, great importance mm -hmm. <laughs> in Star Wars. Uh, but it's also just one of the first stormtrooper falls from a high place. And I <laughs> just obsessed with how much that is a huge part of action adventure storytelling is you got to fall from a high place. So between the falling from the high place and the Wilhelm scream, that was just sort of a a rank-and-file action-adventure death that I wanted to highlight. I think starting the grand tradition, many grand traditions in Star Wars, and a, and a damn good shot from Leia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, technically, it is Luke. I, I had oh, looked it up. Yeah. Uh, Leia, the one that Leia shoots uh, just sort of face plants like he's going to take a nap. That's right. Uh, yes, right. <laughs> the one Luke shoots uh, falls all the way down and, and gives us the beautiful screen. There you go. Yeah. Um, Another one for me that is in the um, almost like the the cheering because the hero won and just sort of uh, absolute action adventure totally over the top. I felt I needed to acknowledge it over the top in a good way. And that is the death of General Grievous. Uh, look, when your uh, organ sack blows up and flames shut out in your entire body and an action figure is made of exactly that moment. <laughs> that's a death that needs to be celebrated. <laughs> and it's and it's uh. I mean, uh, keep it with Attack of the Clones. It is 1950s sci-fi. It's it's great in its own way. It is the bad guy underestimated the hero and and paid the price in <laughs> flames uh, for sure. Uh, so those were two of my my lighter ones. Uh, do, you want, do you want me to pin back to you? Yeah, let's do also with the grievous one. I mean, what better way to to just really you know drive home Kenobi's point about blasters and being uncivilized. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is really uncivilized, right? The explosion of his very combustible organ sac. Uh, some on my list here. I got to go one that I, I, I count uh, up there with the death of Optimus Prime in the Transformers movie, 1986. Uh, that one that really affects childhoods. Uh, if you grew up in the 80s or again, anytime you, you, you see them for the first time. And that is uh, the death of Nanta, the Ewok in Return of the Jedi. Mm. Uh, you know, the poor Ewoks uh, fighting the good fight and ATSD takes uh Takes a few of them out and we get to see it with Nanta. And just, I mean, you would talk about, you know, I got, I got Yoda dying. I'm seven years old. I got Yoda dying. I got, you know, I'm a dog person. So I have dogs at home. I had a, had a poodle at the time, Inky, the poodle. Um, it, you could argue it looked like a little Ewok. And you got just the, 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 the whale, the death, the buddy, the, the buddy Ewok kind of pushed them and then, fall oh my god it, they talk about just i left the theater like i don't know if i can i i signed up for lightsabers not this like tears at seven <laughs> like what are you doing to me so gotta include nanta it is the nanta shake it is the you're okay right Let, let's uh let's go yeah let's let's, uh, let's walk it off uh yeah it, that that one did stick with me that was hard that's hard indeed um the other one uh this is um I know I've talked about it before, but it, it's it's also about the journey and how I got there. It's the death of Mr. Bones, the converted battle droid belonging to T Tem and Snap Wexley, featured in the Aftermath series. As, as positive as I am about Star Wars and always have been in the sense of we just love to celebrate what we love in Star Wars. There's things to criticize, there's things to question, there's things to just not connect with it. That's part of our journey as fans. But always, like it's Star Wars, and I love it. So I want to love it. When the first first aftermath book came out, I, I just did not love Mr. Bones at all. And I would sit in uh, my friend Jack's office at the old Defy Media offices. Uh, he was the director of development there, and we every morning we'd just sit down and have a Star Wars conversation. And and Mr. Bones would come up a lot. We both didn't like Mr. Bones. <laughs> and over time, you know, uh, 
right. Things he's growing on me. He's growing on me. And cut to his death in in aftermath Empire's End, uh, which was by friendly fire, by the way. And the Battle of Jakku. Battle of Jakku. I'm just you know a lot of people. I'm just obsessed with that battle. And the more we learn about it, the more I just would love. Give me a documentary movie about the Battle of Jakku. His death and 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 Tem and this kid who's in this war and and his trusty battle droid, you know, dying in his arms essentially. I, I couldn't believe I was affected by it. And, and it was a lesson in just let the story happen and, and let you let your heart open to the things that you might not like in Star Wars. Because I went from Mr. Bones was a punchline to I had tears in my eyes reading it the first time. So here's to you, Mr. Bones. Yeah, well, I think it's uh, I think it's a great uh, lesson in, you know, Mr. Bones has some elements, of, particularly in that first book. It's been a while since I read it where he feels like a one note joke of like, we get it. Like the the B1 battle droid who's not that scary is now super violent. Uh, but then as we spend more time with him and get to know the character more and know the character's connection to Snap and the in in their connection back and forth, then it, it takes on this weight. I'm really glad you brought that one up. Well, uh, good. Sorry, I accidentally I was coughing. I pressed mute. I was I was crying because of Mr. Bones. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, and, and a shout out to Wendig for that one for making that for for committing to the because especially at the time too we're. we're you know, we're launching this new era and, and the prequels are still being talked about as this thing, uh, you know, they need to make good for it, right? It, it not saying we were, but that was still out there. You'd have those conversations that even Laura Santeca's line of this will begin to make things right was a shot at the prequels. I remember having those, hearing those conversations and having those conversations in break rooms in 2015. Um, yeah, so to, to have Wendig just be like, yeah, it's a battle droid for the prequel era and I'm sticking with it. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it really does grow into it, he, Mr. Bones feels unstoppable. Right. And I think that also gives the death weight. And, and I, I'm with you. At first, I was like, I'm not sure about this. And I came around to loving Mr. Bones. Yeah. Um, one more for me. I'll kick it back to you. Then then, then uh, back to me to close it out here. Uh, I got IG-11, man, from Mandalorian uh, season one, episode eight, chapter eight. Uh, it's a great episode. Uh, Taika Waititi did a great job of that episode. And this is a great death. Talk about going from a droid that begins... Uh, his journey with us by trying to kill uh, the, the the target, the the asset, um, uh, Grogu, to protecting him, being a nurse droid, but also giving up his existence for him in a wonderful, just uh, Star Wars way. It it, it worked, it, and and uh, I wanted to uh, pay respects to uh, IG Eleven for uh, what he did there. So I love that one. That is an absolutely great one. It, that sacrifice really uh, completes the journey of IG Eleven, and is really great. Yeah. What else is on yours, sir? Yeah, so a couple of the uh, the bigger ones for me uh, that I wanted to shout out shortly is uh, Satine's uh, passing in the mm. Clone Wars. Yeah. Uh, Satine is such a great character. It is such a uh, unflinching, horrific moment. It, it really showing uh, Satine's resolve, uh, but also Maul's just the sickness of of, of the dark side and you know, such a powerful Kenobi moment that of course he's utterly, utterly devastated, um, but not going to fall to the dark side because of it. So there's a lot going on in Satine's uh, death and and just that character Mm. uh, that I wanted to shout out. Um, This, the other two for me were ones that I had a really hard time not putting in my list. Mm. Uh, So keep it, uh, keep it short and we can revisit these more in the future. Uh, one is, uh, Ray and Ben. Mm. And, and part of the reason that as like, I wanted to, 
bring that up because this is such a unique death in Star Wars. Ray dies, right? Yeah. Uh, Finn feels it. Uh, the the performance uh, by Daisy Ridley is very convincing, um, and the fact that that is an actual death that she pushed herself, she made this uh, sacrifice uh, to to save the galaxy uh, from Palpatine, Sidious. And then uh, this whole cycle of storytelling of, of Ray and Ben being a dyad and uh, being willing to share their life energy back and forth. And uh, I know the, the passing of Ben Solo, there are many very strong opinions about. I respect that. Uh, I think there are different ways the story could have gone. But for me, that moment really, really works in that he has come back to himself. He has come back to wanting to be selfless, uh, wanting Ray to live on in the the great uh, rhythm that has with with Anakin, so desperate to save people he loves, but seeing it only from the perspective of I, Anakin, can't bear mm-hmm. to lose this person and to see Ben accomplish something in the opposite of like, I have this to give so that this person that I love can continue. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of power in that. Mm. Um, Connective threads and themes in that movie to other movies, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then the 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 final one for me is uh, Anakin Skywalker himself. Boy, uh, as you and I are reviewing Return of the Jedi, you know, a lot of people say that's the fun one. That's the one where the heroes win and you just eat the popcorn and cheer while also watching so many people die. <laughs> uh, but it's true. It's the magic of Star Wars. That, that movie chock full of death was fun. Mm. Uh, and it is. Uh, but for me, Anakin, uh, th- what I really wanted to highlight is there is such um, there is uh, such a surprise and peace in in his moment of actually passing, yeah. uh, of really connecting to Luke. Uh, that 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 saying that you know you you are you I'm going to save you. You already have. But the fact that his last words. This is what I really wanted to highlight. His last words are, "Tell your sister." you were right. Yeah. You know, it is, it is Anakin truly wanting to make this very small connection that he's able to, to his daughter that at the very least give her the knowledge that I made the right choice in the end. Mm. Um, and in a way it is, it's such powerful last words because that's, that's what he wants to, to, to continue uh, to live on, you know, right. it, it's not, thank you for, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, forgiving me, mm-hmm. not that Luke explicitly does, but it is so there, there's a selflessness about it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a selflessness to Anakin's act of, uh, of grabbing and destroying Sidious because the, the lightning does bring him to his, to his end. Uh, but there's also a selflessness in the, those being his final words as he's not, he's literally just not thinking about himself. He's thinking about, mm-hmm. How, how have my actions affected other people? How are they going to ring out? You know, yeah. your sister needs to know what you know, that at least at the end, I made the right choice. And for me, it's just a great sort of, um, it's a beautiful final moment. And it's a little bit of an ellipsis to what uh, eventually gets dealt with in the sequel trilogy of the shadow of Vader lives on. And that's what Anakin's got on his mind at the very end is, right. is please tell your sister there was more to me than just the horror. Mm. And, uh, and in terms of music, you've done such a great job reminding us of how how powerful music is. Mm. I love that sad imperial march mm. on the. I think it's a guitar, but just that mm. whatever stringed instrument, just that 
yeah. sad, small Imperial March to go with it is beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and, and everyone knows I love that, that darn Return of the Jedi novel. Check, read the book version too. It, it, it's it, it, the, the tears of Luke on, on, on his father's face that he, uh, for a moment, feels, it feels like rain to him. It's such a beautiful moment. Mm. Uh, so definitely check both. Just just read it while you're watching the movie. Yeah, that's, that's, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, a couple of final ones for me here. Uh, I want to touch upon uh, uh, the death of Val. Now, the death of Val is, is, has its own conversation around it that's uh, tremendously valuable. Uh, we acknowledge that here. We've talked about that here. Um, could it happen later? Should it have happened at all? Uh, wonderful discussions to have. But I, 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 I got to say, just the death itself, um, is one of my favorites because it, it is there's there's um, a lesson for for Han in there and that's part of the issue of these characters serving Han's story we've talked about that before but also f- for Beckett and the life he's he's chosen there's a lot about it there but also it's just one of the more badass deaths in Star Wars <laughs> and I want to give Val some points for that too if you gotta go go and uh i i just always um, admired uh uh val in that moment in a in a weird way too of uh, it's been a fun ride babe boom we gotta go we gotta do it and uh it does speak to the uh the loss i mean just it's almost a pointless loss and and what are you fighting for what are the bigger things and these are just these uh smugglers scoundrels going around the galaxy but it, for them it was everything for her it was everything and and uh i i've always uh outside of the bigger conversations about that moment i've just also liked the moment you know yeah no i'm glad you brought it up because i i wrestle with that uh death and i have uh plenty of things to question uh but in the spirit of celebrating that moment i do like what you're saying of here is a woman who is very, very clear on her ethos of, you know, this is the way the galaxy works. The job is a job and the job is the most important thing. And uh, I'm not changing my mind on that. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that one. And then the other one, speaking of sacrifice for even a greater cause, uh, I uh, would be remiss if I didn't mention the death of Amelin Holdo. The famous, infamous Holdo maneuver, a breathtaking moment, one of great power and purpose, one of sadness, one of uh, uh, just Leia saying that it's just been too many, um, but it still has to happen. And uh, it, it just visually, um, the sound production, everything about it, sound design is just amazing. And um, I just love that death, man. And I, I will, uh, I will, pun intended, die on that hill. That is a great death. And that was uh needed to be and should have been and was Holdo's moment. I, I know we still got more to talk about, but I think you're taking it full circle in a great, great way because there is that questioning at the beginning, even with Paige Tico's death mm-hmm. of, you know, when when does a, a daring sacrifice, should you make these daring sacrifices like mm-hmm. Poe is willing to make at the beginning? And I really love the bookend. This to me with Holdo is one of those moments where if it, it's a, uh, uh, subvert uh, in order to validate, this is the validation yeah. of Holdo is the uh, wise character who recognizes a moment that is worth sacrifice and she takes it and it is a powerful moment. Powerful moment. No, great. I stand by it. I love it. Um, and talk about theater moments, man. Where were you when the entire audience went, <gasps> or as I heard in every screening for the first uh, like five viewings, a curse word <laughs> in the back. <laughs> heard it often. Heard it often. Uh, and then uh, final one here. Sorry, we have a lot of honorable mentions because, hey, there's a lot of powerful deaths in Star Wars. Um, and we, uh, we want to mention uh, the death of Han and Leia. 
uh, yes. their own. Um, they're they're uh, celebrated. Uh, they're important for the story. They're they're they're, they're powerful. And these are two characters that I love. And and I I've gone from a point of um, not fully enjoying or appreciating the death of Han to now, especially after episode nine, just it's, it's now a very important moment for me personally as a fan and, and for the story and the Leia one has great, uh, you know, just, it resonates as well. Uh, so we, we just, just wanted to make sure we were mentioning them. Yes, absolutely. And they, they both really resonated with me. Um, and I think for me in some ways it is the, the actions that they are taking, in the mm. moments of their death that, that are really, really uh, resonant. But I'm glad that we, uh, yeah. we uh, acknowledged <laughs> some pretty important uh, passings in Star Wars. Yeah, so uh, there you go. That's, uh, that's mine. Any, any on the table for you, sir? Uh, my last one is Rats Tyrell. Come on. Uh, ah, yeah. Every once in a while, you just, you, 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 there's those moments where uh, it's, a, it's a quick moment in an action-adventure movie, uh, but it resonates. I both feel for Rats Tyrell and his family, and I'm sort of uh, amused by the horror of it. It is truly one of the more tragic deaths in Star Wars. Arr, rats, we miss you. Rats, we miss you. <laughs> uh, from there, we are going to go to our number one choices, our favorite deaths in Star Wars. This has been, uh, uh, dare I say, fun discussion about sad things in Star Wars, but we can find great hope and purpose in them as well. Uh, my, uh, We'll go with my number one, so Joseph can close the show with his number one. I am going with, well, there's technically two joy, uh, choices, Joseph, and feel free to talk about both of them in this uh, selection here, but I'm going with the death of Maul, as seen in the Twin Suns episode in Star Wars Rebels. We did do the scene-by-scene scene breakdown not too long ago, so I don't want to completely remix uh, things we talked about there. Uh, but again, talk about just the show itself. When Rebels began, if you would have told me that this was this this whole arc, this whole story with Maul was going to be in it, I, I don't know if I would have been on board with it. And then you, yeah, wait, then we're going to go see Kenobi and the and Ezra. I don't know. There would have been a lot of ah, but but but, and then it, it happens, and the story happens, and and this is absolutely one of our favorite moments. It's one of our favorite episodes of the show. Uh, it's one of my my favorite lightsaber fights. I know it has great power for you as well. So there's a lot to say about that moment. But the final image of 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 uh, Maul, the fatal blow delivered. Uh, the lessons of uh, growth versus uh, just holding on to your anger and your vengeance and uh, compassion, and empathy versus versus uh, vengeance. Uh, the stubbornness of Maul does not change who he is. And that's part of the reason uh, Kenobi knows he can uh, use the Qui-Gon uh, method and, and defeat him so quickly. There's so much to the fight, but just the final moments. Um Maul dying in the arms of the of the man, the Jedi. He he based his whole life, his second half of his life, on uh, destroying the hate for him, fueling him to die in his arms. A, a lesson of compassion, a lesson of empathy. You get the chosen one conversation, and, and Kenobi, who I believe feels Luke is the chosen one, gives that to Maul uh, as kind of a last moment of peace. And, and yeah, even in his final moments, Maul's talking about he will avenge us. But that to me is a sad line that speaks to. This entire life um, that in which he wasn't given the choice. Uh, he was uh, plucked and turned into this blunt weapon by Palpatine. And uh, 
the Night Sisters, Mother Towson. And he carried, as we've learned in some supplemental material, carried this bitterness in his heart that uh, why wasn't I good enough for the Jedi? Why didn't they find me when I was two or three and I was raised to be a Jedi? And, and maybe he spent nights as headcanon for me wondering what could have been and, and how that fueled his anger as well. And now it's one of the reasons he wants to destroy these Jedi and have our revenge. All of that, a final moment of peace as much as peace as, as Maul could experience, it's truly a beautiful, beautiful, uh, poetic moment. It, it's sad. It's heavy. Uh, but it's also inspirational. It means a lot for, for Kenobi. And as a Kenobi fan, I, I know you love that moment too. So I'm going with that death of Maul's, my number one most favorite death in Star Wars. I'm so glad you you picked this one. I'm glad it's your number one because I just felt like this definitely has to be mm. uh, on the list. Uh, it has power from so many different perspectives and you highlighted so many of them. For me, it has power uh, from the perspective of uh, Phantom Menace being his first death, sort of. Mm-hmm. Uh, from that perspective of it, it was an action-adventure death. It was a um, a good guy defeating the bad guy cheering moment. It's a moment of, of Lucas uh, embracing his philosophy of being open to change of mm-hmm. you know the the quotes from back in the day of like let's uh let's have him split in half so there's no ambiguity right right <laughs> and and then we move towards like but you know actually there's more to be done with that character somehow Maul returned <laughs> uh so Maul returns and he grows into this character and we get this great perspective of what it is to be tortured by the dark side and mm. we see that Maul is vicious horrible killer but we see these moments of uh, charm and personality mm. and even within manipulating people i always feel like he doesn't quite want to be alone you know right, right. so it's, it's this very human insight into the dark side into the horror of it. it it's it's in the it's in satine's death scene where kenobi tells him like i know this wasn't your choice yeah. uh, and that doesn't get through uh to maul at all mm-hmm. and and we've, we've talked about that final death scene in rebels uh like you said we did that whole breakdown uh so i don't want to as you say yeah. remix too much i think the powerful thing about it as a death in star wars is it is a moment where uh, from a very jedi perspective it's that moment of like kenobi doesn't want violence he'll do anything to avoid violence he can't it's either he uh he defeats Maul or Luke is put in, in great mm. jeopardy and, and who knows mm. who else, but Luke in specific. And it is such a Jedi death of like, not only is there the contrast between Obi-Wan has evolved, Maul hasn't, and that mm. is what allows Kenobi to easily defeat him. Yeah. Uh, but there is that sense of there is nothing from Kenobi of action, adventure, excitement. You need to be stopped. The thrill of, uh, battle, you know, Kenobi's not thinking. Finally, the monster who killed Qui Gon and Satine—it's—it's it's, it's just what had to be done in the second that it's done. Mm. That Kenobi takes him in his arms, and then um, mm. it's great, great picture of of empathy. Right? Empathy doesn't mean doesn't mm. necessarily mean um, I, the person having empathy, will agree with you and step out of your way and just let you do what you're going to do. Right, right, right. It means I will try to understand where you are coming from. Right. And it's this great moment of empathy where Kenobi is so peacefully like, I, 
I can't let you go after yeah. Luke, but I have empathy. I know this wasn't your choice. I know what you've been through. And I know to me, Kenobi, vengeance is not something to be sought, mm. but you know, it, it's almost a, a, a twist on, you know, Leia saying to Han, if money is all you value, then that's what you'll get, mm. uh, paraphrasing. And it's yeah. almost like Kenobi just kind of sadly saying, I know vengeance is the only thing you can value. Yeah. So I will allow you, you know, to, to find solace in vengeance in your final moments. It's, yeah. it's empathy. It's understanding, you know, this is the only solace I can offer uh, this poor person. Mm. And it's, it's a death that is just so not about violence. It's about empathy. Yeah, beautiful stuff in there, sir. And, and the idea of yeah, uh, like I said, it's 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 a, it's a kind of piece from all, but it also speaks to just man. It's just it's it's really when he says you know he will avenge us, and and, and we know the chosen one. That's that's the Jedi or the person that's going to destroy the Sith and bring balance to the Force, and and for Maul to be like, yeah, that that's going to happen, right? Because I I need the Sith to be destroyed, even though you all met me as Darth Maul. That 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 that's been pain. That's been a prison. It's been an emotional prison for years. And and then what you said too, Joseph, about there's there's something true about Maul, um, not wanting to be alone, right? And and yet spends a lot of time alone, and which m- makes him worse in a way. But yeah, even forming groups or trying to get with get with Ezra as his apprentice, like he he needs people around him in a way. And for Kenobi to literally grab him before he hits the ground, he doesn't, Maul probably deserves to die alone in a desert um, with, with no one around and just uh, the creatures of Tatooine, uh, you know, uh, devouring him, quite frankly, <laughs> you know, and, and he doesn't, he, do, he dies in, in someone's arms. He does not die alone. Um, I think that's pretty powerful too, uh, again, for Kenobi, but just for the Star Wars story and just for Maul himself. And then, and then there's uh uh, you know, a, a funeral pyre is set for for Maul that it's been mentioned a few times for what Kenobi did after this. So um, that's another thing I love about it. That's why that image, that image of 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 him Maul in his arms, just falls into his arms. Kenobi, he never hits the ground. Uh, yeah, is powerful for me as well. Absolutely powerful. It, I think that's such a, a great great choice. That is my number one. But we're not done, sir. Close our list out. Bring us home with your number one death in Star Wars. Yeah, this is, uh, the number one was for me that, that ultimate battle between the, the intellectual of like, okay, well, what does it do for the story? What does it do for the themes? And then uh, versus the emotional of what, what when you close your eyes, just, just comes uh, to your mind. And, and I think for me, for, for my journey with Star Wars, uh, it, it has to be the, the peace and purpose of mm-hmm. Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi. Um, mm-hmm. I think for me, it, it's the most powerful death because I don't ultimately feel it as a death. Mm-hmm. It is, to me, what's so powerful about the moment is it's a transition. Um, it is taking Jedi deaths that we've seen before uh, from, from Yoda saying, this is the way of things, uh, you know, this is the Force, and, and accepting it to Obi-Wan really making that, that peaceful choice and raising his blade in the very first Star Wars film. Uh, to, even to Anakin saying, you know, you've already saved me, you know, mm. to, to Kanan, you know, I- I accepting yeah. his fate. Uh, and it's really taking it to this next level that it isn't, it, it isn't just a moment of acceptance. Mm. 
it's a moment of almost joy. Yeah. There is that, there's clearly, you know, uh, pain. <laughs> he clearly knows it's coming. He, he struggles, you know, yeah. up to yeah. this, this point of, uh, uh, this pose of dignity and, and peace. And what really drives it home to me and, and makes it so powerful is just the phenomenal expression on Luke Skywalker's face. Uh, I really mm -hmm. do think, uh, Mark Hamill should be given, uh, 800 uh, Oscars even after the fact <laughs> for The Last Jedi. You know, yeah. I think his performance throughout is phenomenal. But that moment where he really straightens and he stares out to the horizon. Yeah. That moment connects not only to the, the, the famous moment of young Luke Skywalker uh, looking to the horizon, it connects to that moment and it connects to like, this is a truth of who this person is. He, he tries to be a good Jedi and live in the moment, but is a person, he's always kind of looking to the horizon. He's always kind of looking at what's next and what's the next adventure. Mm. And the way he looks out always makes me feel like this is his, his, uh, the, the crude matter. This is the death of his body. Yeah. This is not the death of his soul. This is not the death of Luke Skywalker. This is Luke Skywalker looking off into the horizon at the next adventure. Mm -hmm. And that is always what makes it not just, not just an acceptance, mm -hmm. but it almost a joy of uh, what's next. I've done what I've needed to do uh, in, in this mortal plane. Uh, and now I'm on, to be with the force into the next adventure. Yeah. It's uh that's a beautiful way to describe it of, of, um, cause the, the peace and purpose is a great, just uh you know, big thesis for this, this death. And you really feel that. I love that. They just say it, right. <laughs> right? It's like, yeah. It was peace and purpose. Um, but even for, for Lucas, this is what it means, not just for the Jedi, but the light side, but just the, the big lesson, star Wars, this attachment thing, all those kind of things we've been dealing with for eight films at this point and, and supplemental material books and comics and, and, and standalone films that attachment th there's no attachment here from Luke and he truly is going on and flash forward to, to Palpatine episode nine that just the opposite of that just gripping everything he can not letting go it's, it's just it, it's it's light and dark there and it's it's so clear but just for Luke himself you're right just like he used to stare off and wonder what's next here he is again knowing that something's coming and, and excited for it. that's powerful yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, there's the power in, in what caused it is this uh, allowing himself to be seen as uh, a symbol of hope, uh, validating everything that Leia and Ray have been fighting for and caring about coming to peace with, it is important uh, that the Jedi remain to defend the light uh, when the darkness overreaches and knowing that he has uh, passed that message on to Ray, knowing that he's very literally saved the resistance and saved his sister, you know, yeah. he started this journey staring out at, this, at the the horizon, going, "What's what's there for me? Uh, saving this princess? I don't know." He mm -hmm. literally just did it. Yeah. And there's that great connection of staring out and in, in wondering in a new hope, what's, what's out there for me? What am I meant for? I know it's more than this mm. to then end staring at the horizon at the first Jedi temple mm. way up there 
on the pinnacle of this peaceful island that symbolizes the light of like, well, you really found what was out there for you, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Luke. You know, like there's a real success from what he wondered as he looked into that uh, first sunset to what he accomplished as he's looking into that uh, final sunset and ready to move on. Yeah, and and it's great we did almost close the conversation, but I want to ask this, and this is something I've always thought about this and and discussed uh, around this death of Luke and and, and to talk to you about it here now, great time to really – Really do it. This idea of just, you know, when you see this film, like I, I wasn't ready for this. I, I too was wanted more adventures of Luke Skywalker as I knew him. Uh, I, I get that. And, and I didn't immediately come out of the film fist pump and going, well, it was great. I had to think about it. I had, I had to come to terms with it. And I've always gone back to the, the reason that peace and purpose is so powerful to me is I kept thinking, okay, what would I rather have seen at any point? If he dies in 7, 8, 9, or episode 10, 11, 12, the death of Luke Skywalker, if I wanted to see that if a character that's so important to this franchise that I love, uh, what would I want to see? And it's like, I could, you know, what, dying being cut in two by Kylo Ren or, or you know, fighting the Knights of Ren and exploding and ex- like, I couldn't think of anything that had more just power than this moment. And that's where I eventually just kind of came to not just terms with this, but in accepting it, but just loving everything about this death. So I have to ask you, sir, what was your journey with the death of Luke Skywalker? Yeah. My journey in watching it the first time is I had just, uh, I felt like the movie uh, gave me everything I needed. So I, I had been so happy with Luke's big action in the movie and big powerful force use being, being something that was such a, a victory of pacifism, which to me connected with his victory in Return of the Jedi. So I was like kind of fist pumping in my soul over the projection to crate. And then there's the roller coaster of like, oh, and the hand is coming up and he's crawling back up on the on the rock. He survived. The, the, the next uh, episode's going to be Luke and Ray's happy times, you know, uh, that moment. And then the realization that, no, it's coming. Oh. So I went on that uh, on that roller coaster, but I think everything in the filmmaking that I described worked for me of of seeing that look on Luke's face. I think the fact that that the words peace and purpose were were used that mm. that there was communication to Ray and Leia, so you didn't have to worry about them. Uh, there's no ambiguity of that. Luke is at peace with this choice and i think something that that i didn't even really recognize in my first viewing that worked very well on me is before you realize that luke is a projection on crate the fear that his death would be violent and then the fact that luke even calls that out and saying if you strike me down in anger uh, you know i'll be with you always and just it brings to mind like how much you don't want to see kylo violently Mm -hmm cut him in half even if he's going to disappear like obi-wan that you that i didn't want that violence and and when i rewatched the film i realized oh that that moment of putting the the idea the image Mm. of a violent death for luke in my mind really was is this great contrast that he does not have a violent death death he has Mm. a a a death a a passing of peace and purpose so Mm. i i think after my first viewing I, i definitely felt I definitely went on the roller coaster of he's going to survive. He's going to be in the next movie. And then to sadness, but also just like real, real um, acceptance and, and happiness for the character. Uh, I think, you know, th- this whole podcast, we're, we're talking about death. And I know 
everybody has a different relationship, a different experience with it. Uh, but for me, it, it was that kind of death, like in real life, where somebody has lived a long and a happy life and they're surrounded by loved ones. Yeah. And it is the sadness that, that death is a truth. But within that sadness, the the person died with peace and purpose and, and what can any of us hope for for ourselves or our loved ones but that and i think i felt that on a real level of like my long journey with this character and all the different things that he's meant to me at different times of my life i felt like well what else could i possibly want for this character mm. asked and wonderfully answered i i the happiness for luke skywalker the character this is a fictional character we're talking about, but obviously has great power in the lives of so many people. Uh, it truly a symbol of hope. Absolutely. But happiness for the character actually was something that I did take from what, not just what you said, but just for the moment of what else would you have wanted? Dying on a flaming X-wing crashing into the third Death Star, fourth Death Star, two more Death Stars. <laughs> what would you have wanted? Um, hey, there's a lot of options and a lot of us have a different relationship to this, but I love what you're saying here. And it is a great number one choice the death of Luke Skywalker, full of peace and purpose here. So, Joseph, thank you so much for not just uh, bringing a, a nice list here, but sharing your personal connections to all these characters that have gone on in the Star Wars story. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for uh, for suggesting this episode and for doing this episode. Your list was great, and this was really, really uh, fun and deep surprise to really uh, examine uh, what all of these different ideas of death in Star Wars mean to me. Uh, and out there listening, I'm sure you all have your own list and your own connections to these deaths and others. Hey, you can always let us know by reaching out on Twitter. Use the hashtag Star Wars Ranked and follow us at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. You can get an audio book on us by going to audibletrial.com slash Force Center. That's audibletrial.com slash Force Center. Get some merch at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center, and you can support us directly at patreon.com slash Force Center. Podcasts available a lot of different spots, including Amazon Music and Spotify if you want to try there. You can follow me at Cadnapsock or go to my website Cadnapsock.com for more. And uh, Joseph, they're going to want to follow your website because, hey, pretty soon, uh, sooner than later, we all might be getting back up to real comedy stages again. Yeah? <laughs> That's right. And if I even attend a, a comedy show in an audience, maybe I'll post that on my website just for the <laughs> thrill. Maybe I'll post it on my website when I'm going to go out and have a drink. Uh, all coming soon. Uh, yeah, so if you want to uh, follow any of my various comedy adventures, you can find me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok as at Joseph Scrimshaw. And then my website for uh, upcoming shows and comedy albums and all, all sorts of stuff like that is josephscrimshaw.com. Go to Joseph's TikTok so you can see what I would describe as the death of de the desire to open up toys <laughs> and how you deal with it. <laughs> Uh, a celebration of not letting go. Not letting go. Hey, it's a good one there. So for all the characters who have come and gone and left us with great lessons uh, and occasional hurt, but always hope, peace, and purpose, including you, Nanta, this has been a fun episode. Star Wars has been ranked.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.